Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. All right, y'all, it's spring, and you know what that means. It's time to start planning our summer festival traveling. Yep, it's time to get into my Airbnb bag cross-country, a.k.a. uh, time to visit my homes all across the country. And you know what I never think about? Why not list my own spot on Airbnb and host some folks at my house? I mean, my house is cute. Yes, let's make money while we're spending money. Just trying to help you out, man, because your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This is the story of how a group of people brought music back to Afghanistan by creating their own version of American Idol. The joy they brought to the nation. You're free completely. No one is there to destroy you. The danger they endured. They said my head should be cut off. I'm John Legend. Listen to Afghan Star on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Course Love Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. This classic episode was produced by the team at Pandora. Ladies and gentlemen, this is QLS Classic from May 17th, 2017. We talked to our old pal Nelly Furtado about our Portuguese-Canadian roots and our work with Timbaland the ups and downs of tuckling a career, motherhood, squashing beef, and normalcy. We hope you enjoy this episode of Questlove Supreme with Nelly Furtado. Here we go. Suprema, Suprema Roll Call. Suprema, Suprema Roll Call. Suprema, Suprema Roll Call. $20 challenge yeah. for you Supreme fam nerds yeah. whose opening bars don't rhyme woke, yeah. promiscuous, or bird. Roll call. <laughs> Suprema. Su- su- Suprema. Roll call. Suprema. It's Fonte yeah. on this yeah. instrumental. Yeah. My whole family would jam yeah. to Nelly on Dance Central. Roll call. Suprema. Roll call. Suprema. Suprema. Roll call. My name is Sugar. Yeah. Yeah. Say it right. Yeah. Nelly Furtado. Yeah. Turn off the light. Roll call. Suprema. Suprema. Roll call. Suprema. Suprema roll call. I'm unpaid bill. Yeah. Can't take no more. Yeah. Guess I'll go knock. Yeah. On a hundred doors. Roll call. Suprema. Suprema roll call. Suprema. Suprema roll call. Boss Bill's my nombre. Yeah. For goodness sakes. Yeah. Canada's not only. Yeah. That young boy Drake. Roll call. Suprema roll call. Suprema Roll Call. I'm Laia. Yeah. yeah. World's number one fan. Yeah. yeah. Nelly Potato's here. Yeah. Obrigada, man. Roll Call. Suprema. Suprema Roll Call. Suprema. Suprema Roll Call. 
Nelly. Yeah. That's who I am. Yeah. Excited to rock with Quest yeah. again, cause he's my jam. So I owe so one, two, three, four, five. I owe a hundred dollars. Hey. Wait, Wait a minute, no, because Lightyear, what? you said whoa. Whoa's number one fan. I didn't rhyme it with whoa though. Ooh, whoa. shots fired. Damn. Wait, you saying that that deserves the black guy thinking pointing to his? <laughs> <laughs> That's what that belongs to. Uh, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another. A new edition of uh, Quest Love Supreme. I'm <laughs> Quest Love. This is Team Supreme. Yee! Say what's up, y'all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Quest Love Supreme. Yay. Reloaded. Yes. Uh, 2.0 <laughs> Quest Love Supreme. Uh, our guest with us today, uh, she is a breath of fresh air, I shall say. Uh, I've been a longtime <laughs> admirer of this, uh, I'll, I'll say, songbird uh, for her voice, her music, uh, her artistry. Uh, she came out the gate. In 2000, as a solo artist with uh, her debut, Whoa Nelly, that kind of captured our hearts and our minds and our ears uh, with hits like Turn Off the Light, uh, Shit on the Radio, and I said yeah. it. I didn't say ellipses, ellipses on the radio. Uh, and of course, like a bird, she won uh, multiple Juno Awards, Grammy Awards, uh, not stopping there. She collaborated with uh, megastar acts like uh, N.E.R.D., Missy Elliott. And uh, The Roots. Yeah. yeah. On Sacrifice. Uh-huh. I forgot that she collaborated on my own song, Fonte. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, There's also Nas, Jurassic 5, Swollen Members, uh, Chaos, K9, it just goes on and on. Paulo can feel Tiesto. Probably her most important collaboration uh, was in 2006 with her her third album, uh, which is Loose, uh, with Timbaland. And uh, she didn't Which stop sold there. sold a lot of copies. Yeah, 12 million. Lot. Amazing. A lot. Oh. If I sold 12 million copies of anything, I wouldn't anything, even answer Amir's phone You would phone never see me again. again. Right. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I sell 12 Gone. million t-shirts and it's over. <laughs> she didn't stop there. Uh, she released uh, an all-Spanish record in 2009 with uh, <laughs> Mi Plan. It's a... <laughs> I'm, right. I'm not used to a mirror the Wikipedia man. Right? right here. Is like this is this is well. I'm trying to human Wikipedia. No, he's trying to let him cook. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. this is like, fantastic. This now, is instead of let's start from the beginning. Right, now, let's know. start from the beginning. <laughs> so you were poor. You did in. Uh, let him cook. This is this is great. Uh, Nelly, you don't understand how anyway. much of a change this is. This really? Is, oh, I thought I thought I was coming in like no, no, no. I just said I wasn't used to it. I didn't say it was bad. I'm appreciating it. No, this is great. This is this is amazing. This is so anyway, funny. thank you all for interrupting me, guys. I'm no bad. problem. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't anyway. let them bother you, Amir. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone else? Any he, he engineers was, in the studio? About... <laughs> Anywho, uh, she's offering us her sixth uh, studio album entitled Rock. Oh, he missed a part about my Latin Grammy. I, I was enjoying no, I mentioned that. I mentioned, I mentioned that, but I was really rude interruption. Rude interruption. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Talk about me some more. Yes, I, I I covered your whole life. Thank but, uh, you, thank you. you had a no, daughter, that was good. Like, that was good. Uh, well, I no, I'm not. What's your social security number? Yeah, 
Oh. It's five, five, five. Ladies and gentlemen, fondest childhood memory. Yes, and she's also heading up the Donald Trump uh, Russia Gate uh, investigation. Oh, <laughs> oh wow! Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Nelly Furtado. Thank you. Thanks. That was such a nice intro. My God, it was my first intro. It's good to see you again. I, it's great to see you too. What the hell? Yeah, man. It's it's. it's we been... occasionally send tweets to each other. Yeah, we're like, hey. So you guys are close. <laughs> we are. Yes. I don't know. Close I guess we've we've um, been. <laughs> I've been to Philly. That's legit. I've been there in their old studio. Oh, the I've... stripper joint. Yeah. Well, I don't know. What? No, before then, it was. Like, what I read stripper joint? You've been you've been in that studio forever. When have you stripper ever seen a stripper pole? in that studio? Yes, I've, I've seen when a we were making pole. y'all making for not. Oh, you we still were making have that when y'all was. <laughs> Yeah, that was so long ago. That was like in 2001 when we went and yeah, worked together in Philly. 2001, working on Philly. And you guys like had the whole thing written already, the chorus. And I was bummed out because I thought I'd get to co-write with you. Wow. Maybe and you should have like, because I don't think sacrifice is built. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay, like this is cool. Like the you little Infante in Bill's face right now, like... <laughs> Uh, yeah, you should have done that. It we, was like we really breathy vocals. It was fun though. I like. Look, I mean, that album's amazing. But like, yeah. So wait, I was just happy felt, to be there. It was fine. You felt like Missy. Like I ain't gonna be on your record just singing no hooks. That's kind of ill. Like, well, because I always wrote my own song. So I, I actually that was the first time someone had like written a thing for me to sing. So I was like. But it's the roots, so I was like, of course, like I'm just happy to be here. I'm gonna be on your album, and uh, I sang get that it. Publishing it was check. fun, yeah. huh? Get that, get that publishing check next time. <laughs> <laughs> Got to be a next. Yeah, time. No, I was gonna I was say that. I was happy to be. There's, on the there's track. always the future. Exactly. There's always the future. Exactly. Yeah. You know what? When I, when I first met you, um, I think the very first time we opened for you, um, we had walked area in. one. No, this we we did. We also sang together a bunch on Area One tour. Yeah, yeah. But even before Area One, I performed live with you. A bunch. There was a, there was a show we did together, and I know that we you came on first, and then we came on. But I came in right when you were dancing to BBD's Poison. <laughs> What, what? Sorry, an introduction? What? <laughs> yeah, and I was like, you know, and I in had my an interlude, yeah, that I did in my in a my nineties interlude in my head. I already had it pecked out that you were just a pop show on Tuesday that I saw on TRL. And, mm -hmm. you know, like like a bird leads you to believe, at least at that time when the single was just out. Mm -hmm. And we all looked at each other like, wait, who is this on stage? Like, Nelly Furtado is the same person <laughs> doing the BB. Like, she was doing the dance that they were doing in, in the, the video. In, in the video. Yeah. Oh, wow. And so it was like, it, it was a old Nelly moment. Like, we hardly knew you. <laughs> I and then did, as BBD, I got to know you. LL Cool J and Mary and one other act, Salt and Pepper, all in the same little routine. Yeah. I didn't know. Yeah. So, but then you explained to me about your days, even before your solo career with Nail Star and that stuff. So, yeah, there's always so much, right? I mean, you know this, you're an artist. So it's like, there's so much that goes into who you are that people don't see when you make like a product or a packaged thing. And you just roll with it. It's okay, you know? But, but the people, you know, who end up like digging deeper into maybe what you do or going to see, I, I, I make the same mistake today. Like I judge artists all the time. And then I listen to their catalog and I feel so guilty. And, or I see their show, you know, and I'm like, ah, oh, damn, I should never judge an artist until I've actually, like last, last night I was listening to the new Drake album because I'm like, well, let me just put this on and listen to it. You know what I mean? So like you can't speak on something unless you listen to it, unless you go to the show. And like, then he took you to South I Africa. I feel like, you know what's fair? <laughs> what you say? He took you to South Africa. Right now yeah, he, actually, he's making South Africa house the the No, but like the honestly, like I feel like 
I really feel like you can't judge an artist until you listen to something, a whole album of w- one album at least, and you go to their live show or watch like YouTube live clips or something. <laughs> but is it, is it fair to listen to the first album? Because sometimes not, it's not fair always to listen to the first one because you were I know. You gotta, like, dig. Yeah, Sometimes you have to and... dig deeper. Yeah, you have to dig a little deeper. I don't know. I mean, but anyway, thanks for, for talking about that because, well, I mean... Well, no, I, I wanted to know what, what your beginnings... I said the word. Uh, what they were that at least led you to wanting to start a music career? Um. Oh God. And well, how did you? Uh, well, was, you told me that- I was young. I was young. Like I <laughs> There was no Mickey Mouse Club. I was from a small town, <laughs> Victoria, BC. But there weren't even any talent shows. But I had a church. I had a Portuguese church community. So like, mm. I got to sing there. I got to sing at church. Um, at our festivals, we call them fashtas. <laughs> where people, yeah, fashtas at the fashta. Okay. Um, and were you and singing you, in and Portuguese? And I sang with my mom in Portuguese, okay. and I was four years old. And I got up on the stage, and I just knew that I loved it. I just knew that I wanted to be doing that because, like, I felt like I was spreading joy and love and good vibes. And I just, I felt that at the age of four it was really cr- kind of weird. Um, but I'd always sing songs. Like I would make up songs on the spot from when I was, apparently I was two or three. Oh, okay. No, around the house. Okay. And my sister would literally be like, sing, sing, make up a song because my eyes would well up with tears and I'd get super emotional. <laughs> so it was always inside of me. I did an experiment at um, MoMA PS1 in the fall. I did an installation where I wrote songs with 100 strangers in the course of three hours. And I was trying to explore this connection we have to like the source and why we write songs and why it comes to you and how we can tap into that and prove that it's an empathic thing and prove that uh, like a song can prove how we're all similar rather than different. Um, and Wait, I ke- can, I, can you back up? Yeah. <laughs> Without me making any Houston 500 references. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so... You, there are a hundred people in the room. No. Okay. So it was anywhere from like one person. The smallest group was one person. And then the largest group was 10 people and a dog. The last group. (laughs) And a dog. And the MoMA PS1 had this back to school fundraiser. And I'm friends with this performance artist named Ryan McNamara. And he told me I could do anything with the one room. He's like, do you want a room at this thing? And I was like, I do because I have this idea. I want to do this experiment where I sit with my guitar and, and this started in, I used to do songwriting workshops where I ongoing, like in this place called Narok, Kenya, and with these girls at this high school called Olaleshwa. So I go there all the time, made a bunch of friends there over the years working with this nonprofit. And what I do is do a songwriting workshop and we write a song, but it just exists in that moment and then it's over, you know? So I'm very into this idea that a song is just this expression. And because you know as well as I, we don't record everything we write. We just do it to do it. You know what I mean? So I wanted to, in that room, like, okay, so like one person would walk in and sit down. I'd have my guitar. I'd tape tape it on a tape recorder because I didn't want it to be like this branded moment that was videotaped. I wanted it to exist in that moment. Yeah. And so they'd come and sit down and I'd be like, okay, what did you dream last night? And they'd tell me about their dream the night before. Or I'd be like, what's your favorite childhood vacation? And then I'd start singing a song and they would contribute sometimes if they had any musical ability or not. And by the end, after 15 minutes, someone would knock on the door when I had two minutes left. Then I would record the thing. Then I would wrap the cassette in the paper with all our lyrics. And usually there were different reactions. Some people would cry. There were two people fighting because some people didn't know each other in the groups because everybody was trying to get into the thing. And they had to, right. they had to like, some people didn't like each other. But then there was a lot of laughter. Um, and I felt great because sometimes you wonder, like, will your inspiration ever run out? You know what I mean? Will it ever just like 
end. And then the truth is more is more. Like the more you share with people, like the more you get. How's it? I mean, I'm just trying to figure out the logistics. Like if I'm a fan of Nelly Furtado, yeah. like wouldn't you be freaking out and all that? Like how do you just calm them down just to get to the point of the experiment? I think they saw how chill I was. And Ryan had lit the room in this like really moody orange light. And it was like um, a back to school theme that night at the museum. Mm-hmm. So it was almost like I was a teacher. So you were coming into oh, a classroom. It was maybe just one or two people. Maybe you were with a friend. And so some people, yeah, maybe I got them in this weird vulnerable moment where they're like, whoa, this is weird. You got them in the sunken place. And why is she so (laughs) chill and peaceful? (laughs) And they're probably like the version of me in that room is nothing like anything they've seen in a video or something. So I'm just like, hey. You know, <laughs> I start writing because, you know, it's a different vibe when you write a song. It's nothing like your stage persona or anything like that. It's a whole other thing. So most people were pretty calm. Some people, I don't know. Some people were songwriters, aspiring songwriters, and they would they were just enjoying it. They're like, sweet. This is so cool. Were there any particular moments in that experiment that stood out to you? Like- um, these two people were arguing because like the, the lady didn't like the, the lyrics that this younger guy was writing because they were kind of goofy. They had like some like Prince Arthur reference or like something something crazy or like, perverted or something. <laughs> and then, and then the lady was all like, I don't like those. Oh. You know what I mean? But we had to agree. So it was like, oh. Um there were some people who weren't really participating. They were just staring at me, but I was still <laughs> yeah, able. I, I would have been one of those people. <laughs> right. I know you would have been. You would have been like, yeah. show me how you're going to do this if I don't participate. <laughs> yeah. But you asked me, you asked me, and then I wrote this whole statement about it. And the whole point was, since I was little, I never understood where the songs came from. I was like, where is this words coming from? The melodies, blah, 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 the music in my head. I never really understood it. So I just wanted to explore that a little bit more, I guess. But the, the, the answer to your question is I eventually moved to Toronto after I graduated high school from Victoria, a very small, small town. Mm-hmm. And I moved to Toronto and I got immersed in the scene. There was an urban scene that was burgeoning. And so I started a trip hop group with my friend Talis and we called it Nell Star. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of did my thing. And I was 17, 18 years old. I missed my parents. I moved back home and went to college for a year in Victoria. I bought a guitar. I started playing at like coffee shops and trying to get my songwriting better. And then... Uh, but right before I left, I sang at a talent show called The Honey Jam. I was 18, mm-hmm. and it was mostly rappers and R&B singers, all female. And then I kind of came up there and did this like weird little trip-hop song. And my manager at the time was there, and he, he I met him that night and sort of kept in touch and ended up. This is a, it was like a Cinderella type thing. It was like, ooh, you're getting flown to New York because they like your demo. I think the reason why was because... Do you remember back in the day when people had professional writers write their bio and you got a professional yes. headshot for yeah, your photo? Press kits and yeah. Yeah. Nah, yeah. So when you had a demo and you were an artist who wanted a record deal, <laughs> you like would have a professional photo and a bio. So I said, I, I don't want that. I want to stand out. So I went to the local like gallery of mall photo booth like down the street from my aunt's where I was staying on her sofa bed. And I took strip mall photos of myself. I scanned them at work because I had a job doing customer service at an alarm company. I like snuck into like the room with the scanners and the computer and I made friends with the systems guy who worked there, let me use a computer. 
And I photocopied my own like strip mall photo, like cool photo. With the crazy background? Yes. Like, did you have yeah. like the Michael Orange Jackson dance? Like, like yeah. with the cash in hand? Coming out of a war? Yeah, the, the two, not the Tupac, oh not, not the club background, was it? Like, <laughs> two champagne glasses? Why, yeah, champagne glasses. Champagne glasses. Glasses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, I had like a dusty like orange curtain behind me or blue and I just made it look all like trippy. And then I wrote not a bio. I wrote like a weird mantra. Like I just did like a journal entry style bio. And at the time, nobody was doing that. Yeah, I was like, what made you do that? I don't know. My manager was cool. He was just like, this is great. This will make you stand out. That's cool that you did this. Write down what you said to me in your office that day, you know, where I said some super like megalomaniacal stuff. Like I want to be... Gandhi and Mother Teresa. Like, you had that ambition, that burning, like, get me out of my circumstance ambition. And you're just like, I wrote this bio myself. I wrote some crazy, like, mantra journal entry style bio. And people were like, who's this girl? We want to meet her. And I had a demo to go with it that was Maybe also- I should have done that. <laughs> no, because the, the protocol, uh, at least that I learned, is whatever critic um, pans your album the most- yeah. Uh, when when it's reviewed, yeah, you get that person to write the bio to write your oh. bio, oh. so that way it's a conflict of interest from them reviewing your ah. album again. Aha! <laughs> Black oh, man yeah. pointing me. Black man pointing me. Music industry hack. Yeah. Oh, because the same smart. ones, the same ones will get you again. Is well, what you're yeah. Saying. I mean, like if, if they if, don't if, like you, they'll continue. Not if to writer it. blah 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 yeah. has written your bio, chances they can't are review your record. He'll pass at Rolling Stone from giving you another, you know, mundane three star writing. But yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, black. Black, black man, man black yeah. woman. If you can't, I don't know if we get a black woman. Beat them, hire them. See, can we just say then that the reviews, all us artists, we're, we're like, we don't care. No, we that's know. We, all know, we, all know we that's so lot. care. It hurts when someone writes a bad review. I think. But I I'm think, saying that you're, you're. Fr- yeah, I mean, Will Nelly hard. was was. It it came out the gate as in. I mean, everyone universally agreed that it was an unusual record. For starters, I. The thing that impressed me about it the most was, well, as as Bill and I were noting before, I realized that your production team uh, was definitely into quote unquote real hip hop. This is when I say real hip hop; it's it's from the when the old guy, the old hip hop fan says real hip hop. <laughs> um, but it is just certain nuances, certain snares used that I realized, like oh. Whoever's producing this record really is dipped in the hip hop culture because, but it w- it wasn't done in a way where it ex- exploits it. Like you didn't come out the gate or you weren't marketed as a hip hop artist. No, yet there were a lot. We let it come to us. It was it was probably the most pure, you know, because at least in between like nineteen ninety eight, ninety nine, two thousand, you know, people's version of hip. Like hip hop being infused inside the pop music was like, all right, let's steal my sunshine. Yeah, let's get the impeach the president snare. (laughs) Like the theme to Scrubs, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, or you know, Alanis Morissette using impeach the president, or George Michael using funky drummer. Like that happened nine times. On 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 the Missing Without Prejudice album. Yeah, it's just like okay, I like you know. Let me just put this loop there. But your people were using like some obscure shit. And using it the right way that real hip hop heads were like, hmm, okay. Yeah. 
she 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 just isn't the average. Oh God, the culture vulture. Yeah, yeah like you're. <laughs> yeah, like you you're, you're coming on some real shit. So what what was the process like doing the first record? I'm glad you asked me that. Um, so we 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 started with a demo and we did it in Brian West's like attic studio. The three of us, me, Gerald, Eaton, and Brian West, they were a part of a R&B group called the Philosopher Kings. Um, kind of like what used to be called acid jazz, pop, like mm-hmm. that kind of band. Mm-hmm. They were really good live and really talented musicians. They've all gone on to have their own production and writing careers. But anyway, I got two of them. I got Brian West and Gerald Eaton, who was a singer in the band. That was really key because Gerald Eaton was such a good singer that he really knew how to vocal arrange me. He really knew how to like make sure that the vocals were interesting and make sure that my harmonies were interesting on the album. Because um, yeah, there's a lot of ideas floating around. Yeah, and the three of us, we co-produced the album together. We actually worked as a team, and we, um, I actually programmed, like, the bass line on Turn Off a Light. Like, I just, like, actually played it on the keyboard. And shit on the radio I wrote on guitar. Um, I played the guitar on the record. Um, And I think that the three of us were so invested in just having fun, you know? Pro Tools had just been invented, so the actual process was interesting, um we were working in this really cold it had no heating this like studio place in toronto uh in a warehouse building and uh, pro tools kept crashing because brian didn't fully know how to use it yet and it was bugging out mm-hmm. Still so happens. in the long spells of time yeah no steve's looking at me like it still yeah. crashes all the time. no it still crashes all the time it but like imagine like when there, it actually. first like <laughs> literally no no uh, uh. but you know like when it first came out there were like a lot of glitches and like he happens. was trying to merge the um he was trying to merge the midi with it um all the sounds and that was causing problems for us um and so i just like take naps and stuff so i'd wake up and gerald would be like your voice sounds so cool right now you got to sing the vocal for this song right now and it'd be three in the morning i'd be like really be like yeah and i'd sing this this like hook or whatever um the other thing we were doing was we're going to the record store a lot we were going to our friend aki aki's store called cosmos Mm -hmm. in toronto you've been to that one it's the best you should go um anyway so we we would go there and, and get a lot of Brazilian music and stuff like that and just kind of listen and get inspired. Um, you know, everything from Milton Nascimento to like Martino de Vila or whatever, and we would sample it and, and kind of create things that way. Right. Um, and vocally too, I had experimented with a lot of things in Nelstar that I kind of like ended up kind of bringing that. Why not? Kind of like that sort of, uh, sort of scat-like singing, you know, that kind of sing rap Type right. of flow oh, when you start and delivery. Like, when you do the, the I don't know what you call it, but you do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was very influenced by like Brazilian vocal percussion, um, but the process was long. So the reason Whoa Nelly that first record sounds like that and it sounds like this crazy pastiche is because um, it was very conscious the making of it. Like I brought in albums that I love. Like I was really into Corner Shop at the time when wow, I was born, I was for, born the for the seventh time. time. Yeah, because they were one of the first groups to really merge pop with like cultural music. Yeah. You know what I mean? A lot of Indian yeah. influence. Yeah. Thank you for saying me on that. Yeah. Fonte. <laughs> you, know, you don't remember Corner Shop? Okay. Sitars. And yeah. Everybody yeah. Everybody needs a bosom for a pillow. Yeah. 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 Writing it down. But we'd find like street buskers, street musicians in the subway, like playing vibraphone or or sitar. And we'd be like, can you come to the studio today? Like we had lots of people come. 
play and we just sample them and well we'd not sample them like we wouldn't pay them we'd pay them for their session and then we would use it in different ways um but there's even brazilian berimbau there's some quirky instruments on there so anyway all that hard work and time and energy and technical difficulties led to the sound of the album technical so you say mistakes yeah man like pro tools crashing you know and things like taking longer to like one there's a song on that album that took one month to record and i mean we were in the studio every day experimenting um it's called trying to find a way okay okay yeah that makes sense (laughs) (laughs) in san francisco with some club kids on crowded street somewhere that one okay yeah (laughs) so were you how did you feel about the reception of of the record and the first album yeah it was weird because I wanted shit on the radio to be the first single. I'm glad it Yeah, so how, <laughs> it wasn't. <laughs> I was going to say, how do you even present that idea like as, I mean, to criticize the radio and to be like, hey, accept me. But I don't think uh, you came out the gate thinking, hey. No, like, it was I'm, weird. You know what it was? It was my friend, like, you know, your friends and then your real friends. So it's like, there's always like the the peanut gallery who's like, too cool for everything and it's like oh i feel like it was a random conversation in a car and somebody said i was like you mean us no no i mean us as in we are too cool and we're snobs and yeah but that's cool you can do that but not to your friends so like someone <laughs> in a car i ain't got no friends <laughs> <laughs> no but like shit on the radio happened because i was in a car with a friend from back home it was a group of people and someone said to me Hey, it was like more like an acquaintance was like, you signed a record deal. Make sure you don't make cheesy music. Make sure you don't make bad music. Make sure you make cool music. And I was like, excuse me. Like that was like, it's like really hating before you even Mm -hmm. had a chance to do anything. And people just hate just to hate. And so shit on radio was about that. It was like, you know what? I don't need to prove myself to you or anyone. I can just like do what I want to do. And I don't have to worry about shoegazing, you know? And so... Yeah. So anyway, so presenting to a record label. Yeah, Mo Austin. I don't know. Do you know Mo Austin? Yes, we know the legend of Mo. Yeah, Austin. man. Like he worked at DreamWorks. Like my label had like Lenny Waronko and Mo Austin wow. and like oh, Robbie and Robin. Warner Brothers guys. You inherited yeah, the man. Warner Brothers crew. Oh, really? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, they were like the classic. You yeah. know, James Taylor it was like it was James, James Taylor, Taylor Prince. Oh, yeah. I got real lucky, you know. I had these like Extremely. amazing seasoned people behind me, and they believed in everything I did. And Lenny Waronker came to the studio when we were almost done. Whoa, Nelly! And he go, he looked at me and he goes, "Savor this moment. You will never make music like this again, because you're just starting out, and your impression and the way you you think and the way you create will never be the same again." I was going to say that innocence, and you can you can feel and hear that innocence, like. The, the 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 boundaries of there not being boundaries you cutting coloring outside the lines and that sort of stuff you sort of you get the sense of that like oh this is a person that's just discovering their body parts mm-hmm. metaphorically speaking mm-hmm. like you know like oh the, the the unlimited power i have and then it's almost like you get tainted or uh you know there's 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 a pressure on your hands when mm-hmm. you work up on following material like did you how did you feel afterwards like i know exactly what you mean because i hear that on records when i listen to them now you know what i mean so like i heard 
I think I heard Drum's album and I was like, oh, I love how he doesn't care. And it just seems so, <laughs> right. you know, like there's an intentional. And it'll never happen again. Right. Well, I don't know. Like I was like, oh, my now. God, this is so beautiful because it's so free. You know what I mean? Like, oh, this is so free, you know? Um, but anyway, um, myself. Yeah. Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? Pressure. Plus, I was a girl. I was like a 20, 21 year old girl. Like All of a sudden, like what like i'm nominated for a grammy and like my mom's sitting next to me and we're at the grammys and i win a grant like it was all surreal how'd you feel when they announced your name that night i think i was there that night when you won your your yeah you were probably there yeah, yeah. yeah. back in the good old days um i mean it was amazing i was like but you kind of i mean you expected to win i mean you were unstoppable I don't know. Like, it's still cool. Like, it's still... But the, the funny thing that happens is afterwards... Like, I remember I was living in... I remember actually exactly... Because I was living in LA for like a year. Mm -hmm. And I remember you invited me to a party one night. And I couldn't go. Mm -hmm. And I don't remember why. I couldn't convince my friend to come out with me. And I didn't go. Right. <laughs> my roommate, my friend. But um, around that time, I remember starting to feel like, oh, I got to deal with all the other ways I actually feel about this business. You know what I mean? The starry eyes are gone. I'm now wondering, does it all come down to wearing a pretty dress on the red carpet? And that really messes with you when you're only 22. This is before the second album? Yeah. It was right when I was about to record it. So you're it. worrying that you might become the establishment that you were yeah. rebelling against. <laughs> trying and to... that's why my first single on Folklore is it, called Powerless. Where magically, sign of the times, they asked me to sing it tomorrow on the Today Show. I was like, is this a typo? Do you Wait, mean promiscuous? <laughs> right. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, people want to hear songs like Powerless now, which was a like kind of like a protest song at the time. The first line says... I mean, look at the time we're living in, though. I it know. It kind of fits now, I think. I know, but it's amazing <laughs> to me that music can live on in that way and still inspire people because the first line says, paint my face in your magazines, make it look whiter than it seems, paint me over with your dreams shove away my ethnicity because this life is too short to live it just for you. But if you feel, when you feel so powerless, what are you going to do? Oh, wait, I got to learn lyrics before tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. What are you yeah, going to do? So say what you want. But is that true now? Like really at some point somebody, because your yeah, ethnicity is a album. part of who yeah, you, yeah. your sound. So yeah. somebody really came at you in a yeah, label type way. I felt like... that way in photo shoots. Yeah. I felt like there was an, ang ang how do I say? Anglization? Anglicization. Yeah. Anglicization. <laughs> On me, I've always had olive skin. You know what I mean? I, I was aware of that because I grew up in a small town, British colony. I was like the only ethnic kid in my class in mm -hmm. kindergarten. So it's all re you know relative. And then I, and so by the time I was done with my first record and I was doing Powerless, I was like, well, what about who am I really? You know what I mean? Like, what, what am I really about? And what do I want to say on this next record? So I started talking about the next record. I have a song called like Fresh Off the Boat. You know, my parents are immigrants. Mm -hmm. um, I was born in Canada. I have a song called Picture Perfect about my dad's like immigrant dream of like coming to Canada and how everything looks so good in the old 70s photographs when you look at it. Right. Um, so anyway, yeah, that's that's what happened. Yeah. Sometimes I would feel Do you, like there was a paradigm you needed to fit into at the time. I, I actually it didn't I, always match how I felt. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Mm hmm. Yo, what's up? This is Fonte, Fontigolo from Team Supreme. Black representation in media is very important to me. I think it's important to have our stories told by people who look like us and who have shared in our common experiences. Some of my earliest influences were Donnie Simpson. Uh, I would also say Tom Joyner, Angela Stribling, uh, Sherry Carter. They were just people who told our stories with a lot of class and dignity and were big inspirations to me. 
The next generation of influential black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be black today, told from a unique black perspective. From Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of black stories, black truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcast, The Center Black Voices. It's NPR Noir. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get podcasts. All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, Well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. In the 1980s, Frank Farian was riding high as a successful German music producer, but he was bored. German pop was formulaic, dull, and oh so white. Frank had bigger dreams, American dreams. He wanted to create the kind of music that would rival larger-than-life artists like Michael Jackson or Run DMC. So he assembled a hip-hop duo, two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? One very important element was missing, but Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's biggest controversies. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when their adoring fans learned about the infamous lip syncing, their downfall was swift and brutal. With exclusive interviews from frontman Fab Morvan and his producers Frank Farian and Ingrid Segui, this podcast takes a fresh look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Follow Blame It on the Fame wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free by joining Wondery+. Plus. I have a theory about folklore, which is, you know how, uh, like, Weezer fans will now swear by Pinkerton? (laughs) Right. Like, ah, that's their Pinkerton. I actually think that your your folklore could be your Pinkerton moment. Okay. Because even though it, 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 again, you could tell that you were older, wiser, sort of cynical eyes even based on the album cover because when i copped the record that's the first thing i noticed i love the fact that you you've always kept your logo the same right but based on the album cover even i was like oh nelly gets serious here like it's (laughs) (laughs) my tone my face right so i mean i got a little nevis in my belly too about four months five months there but i also i also know that i mean what we also have in common is that um, well, both of us got shipped to Geffen 
Oh my God, you were in that crazy the yeah, turnover. Yeah. Well, yeah, because every all were you the, on DreamWorks before? Well, we were on MCA, and when they announced in two thousand three, like you know, we're getting rid of the following eleven labels. That and was such a weird feeling. We all got shipped, and it, it was like the racial draft. You. It was I the, the, <laughs> the draft or the trade. I'm like, why is a cooler company buying me? It was the it was the racial draft <laughs> of, uh, of of yeah, labels. All the black ones, all the black artists, pretty much went over to Geffen, right? Yeah, but it was all, it was a really? weird process. Like Dr. Dre told, uh, oh, oh, I mean, Dr. Dre I kind read of about this in your book, kind of you know told uh, 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 President of Interscope uh, Jimmy? Jimmy, yeah, t- told Jimmy like, okay, here are the cool artists and wow, Doc, what? Yeah, Dre's my man. He he comes through. Oh, because he picked you, but if not, you know what I'm saying? Like that's oh, awful for Dre. the guy, people who didn't. <laughs> <get you. laughs> <laughs> So I'm I'm just saying that it, unfortunately a lot of notable records got overlooked in the shift of mm. getting to that moment. So I mean, how did you how did you personally feel uh, when that album sort of got lost in translation as far as the commercial? Mm, it was kind of weird because like I felt like because. I was like kind of playing guitar on more songs and kind of being more, I guess, traditionally what you would see like more like a rock aesthetic. I felt like it wasn't accepted because people just wanted me to be that girl with the pigtails and like, you know, like the fun ethnic girl with hoop earrings bouncing around. <laughs> it's like, she was so happy. Why is she mad? Wait, because it, Get Your Freak On came at what point in the midst of- Oh, early, of, like in right. Monelli times. Right. So, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. That's how I organically yeah. felt, just to be completely honest with you. I felt like, oh, I'm not allowed to be angry. Okay. Like, I'm not allowed to like speak, sing my truth. I'm not allowed to be more emo. Why are you putting, like, why am I, like, you, I mean, it's that first feeling of like, oh, shoot, I'm in a box. Oh, shoot. So you I never blamed it on the label situation? Nah, I just kind of blame it on, like, just people and perceptions. And luckily, the album took off in some markets. Thank God. It, like, yeah. really took off, established yeah, your world, your worldwide market me and was other still markets. Yeah. Tech, can, yeah. Like, I think the song was number one in Canada and, like, Germany and some other places. And I really felt the love on many levels. So it was okay. But, um, yeah, in the U.S., I was kind of like, oh, well, I guess nobody wants to hear me singing about stuff I don't like and biting the hand that feeds me. We are me. so picky. Aren't we? America is just weird. <laughs> so, I never really thought it was about the label folding. Really? But I, maybe I was wrong. Maybe but wrong. I mean, it, it helps. It well, helps Try to was have, a really good song. Try could have maybe been on the radio. I don't know. But it helps to have I don't know your label intact during the six or seven month yeah, it would have helped a bit. Yeah, probably. Because the same the same happened with Common. Yeah, like Common Electric released Circus, Electric Circus. Yeah. And then the transition happened. Why was that, that before? Oh, because yeah. I was sitting here thinking Electric Circus. That might have been actually when Nelly thought about like folklore was maybe a little bit of a No, well, it Circus went through the same thing. She released it and then DreamWorks sort of imploded. This was all happening simultaneously. Yeah, you know, but it's still a different project, it, so it's yeah. kind of like it, you, it, you can, you'll never really feel like you know if it was a lefty type project and... You know no, I mean? you bring up an important point because I think it's perception too. So you as an artist, you start to believe the hype of like, that album wasn't as commercial. <laughs> and then you forget that, wait a minute. The label right. died. The label I died. Did. I got other people to blame. <laughs> <laughs> I well, it. I, I think Well, because then people will say the same thing about Electric Circus. They won't remember that the label folded. 
They'll be like, oh, electric that was just the weird album. But it wasn't it was, right because it, was it was a weird album. Weird. It, had life, it still had life in it. Yeah, oh, yeah, I loved it. I mean, but again, it, for common core fans, it might have. Yeah. But then if Whoa Nelly never blew up, they could have been like, Whoa Nelly, her debut was a little bit weird. So it never connected. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. It's weird how that works. But it's second album. Yeah, shit is always weird when it don't sell. <laughs> that's, that's, you know, it all, you always get the weird title, you know, when it don't sell. Yeah, but. people, yeah. Kind of make it was up a weird story. Right? No, it yeah. wasn't weird. That shit but the thing sell. was, I think Will Nelly was, I think the charm of Will Nelly was the weirdness of it. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah. It was a weird record. This one was more focused and. Yeah, it had more of a concept. Straight ahead. Which really leads to it was like an exploration of identity really but that leads to when loose came out pay dirt <laughs> but at the time <laughs> here's the thing you motherfuckers pay dirt, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but totally my, had something to my, prove my, <laughs> my introduction to loose though was when you did snl and oh shit Right. And in like a bra. It was like, bra? <laughs> oh, <What? snap. laughs> Google. Seriously. But the funny thing is, I always showed my midriff on tour. You remember? I know, but you don't remember you, me you coming like, out with Moby with like a bikini top on. You were and a hippie. <laughs> you were like hippie Nelly. Like, that's what I was, I was used like to. I've seen your feet more version. than I've seen it in shoes. <laughs> so, what was. Okay. Did you what feel? I never seen your feet in high heels. I saw them in sneakers. Yeah. Yeah. Or sometimes <laughs> you just walk around bare with your bare feet backstage. <laughs> but with loose, was it just all systems go and let me just? <laughs> I'm looking at the picture. You're literally <laughs> looking at the picture. I had to. You said it. Have the internet. Nelly Furtado on the bra. You gotta look. Let me see, let me see that. Let That's me what you here. typed. Uh, no, I did. That was I did. A good, Nelly I did Nelly Furtado on SNL. Okay. <laughs> Oh my god, that's so funny. No, but you're right. It's a far cry from like my like moon boots and crazy like raver pants the first time I did SNL. So so you mentioned Laya mentioned Mm -hmm. that you you did work on the Get Your Freak On uh, remix. Which was was a full tomboy, like No no no, but that was that was (laughs) that was a crucial summit meeting between you and the Timberland group. It was. And everybody forgot about it because they were like, how'd you meet Timberland? Well, there was actually, <laughs> we didn't forget about it. There was actually, you guys, you guys worked together well, before that. Well, not the hip hop people. Well, not the black people. Yeah. They know what's going yeah, on. Yeah. You guys were, you worked with Timberland before, before that remix though, right? You, you did um, a remix? Okay, you did a remix so of... We did three things before Loose. Like, we did no, three no, no, things like five years like before Loose. But like a turn on the radio and... Turn off the light remix. Turn off the light remix. We toured together. On that tour, yeah. we toured together. Okay. He was, he came on the road with Miss Jade for at least six or seven shows. Because I was on Ching Ching, the other right, song right, right. with Miss Jade. I forgot about that one. And then the Miss Jade remix. Ching. I love that record. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Jade. I'm sorry. So Jimmy Iovine actually told me to go work with Timbaland again. And he's like... Of course. Why didn't I think of that? Yeah. He was like, you know, you guys made a promise with the work you've done together and you haven't fulfilled on it. I think you should go to Miami. Timbaland's in a really great creative space right now. And I was like, sure. At that point, I had already worked with Pharrell... Scott Storch, Nelly Hooper in England. Wow. I was just like enjoying my record contract flying around with my daughter, <laughs> <laughs> recording, <laughs> recording with people. So I was like, okay, sure. And so, because she's a toddler, she's not in school yet or anything. So I'm just having fun. So we flew to Miami, I worked with Tim. First day, speaker caught fire, straight up. We did Man Eater and the speaker caught fire. <laughs> really? Yes. That's got to be a good sign, yeah. right? I mean, it's got to be. Yeah, yeah well, it sounds bad, beat but it, it's got to be Beat It speakers good. caught on fire when uh, Eddie Van Halen did his solo. And yeah, notable hits. Wow. 
have had burning speakers. Michael Jackson's hair actually lit on fire during, <laughs> during a Pepsi commercial once. Because <laughs> the commercial was so hot. And <laughs> Cameron was actually covered oh by God. fire on the Confessions of Fire LP. <laughs> In Yo, overalls is this, with is no shirt black on. man thinking <laughs> memes are funny. Yes. Is it everyone? <laughs> so, t- oh my gosh. So, Anteater was the first song you guys worked on? <laughs> yes. What is the process? Oh, or was it Glow? You know when you like got your A game on and you're like, I'm going to pull out all the tricks in this first session, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm going I'm to knock his socks off, Timberland. And so, <laughs> Timberland. Land. <laughs> yeah, so I was all like, Oh, like doing crazy stuff with my vocals, like in this song "Glow" that's on the record. Right, and then we did "Man Eater" that same day. Yeah. So, what is, is he? One of those? Oh, work, sorry. Is he one of those? <laughs> is he one of those work from scratch uh, producers, or is it like you He's like this work track? From dance you like this scratch? You like this scratch? Yeah, <laughs> work from dance move. So if he's dancing and he's hearing the beat and his hand wants to do something different, like the body's missing something, he'll add a sound so that he can complete that Whoa, physical physical is... connection with so the song. So he'll dance first I mean, and then it's figure vi- out what it's the... It's all vibe. Yeah. It's all vibe. Motion like creates emotion. He's, I don't know, he's just powerful. He has this, <laughs> he has this the connection. I don't know. It's neat. And him and I, we're weird. Like when we get together, we hardly see each other. I just saw him because he invited me to come like meet some kids he was mentoring on a show called The Pop Game for HLN or something. Mm -hmm. I think, I hope that's a network, but. It is a news network. When we get together, we talk like old people. Like we talk, we only talk about life, death, love, marriage, divorce. We talk about (laughs) big things. There's no small talk with Timbaland. Timbaland doesn't do small talk. And um, right, he doesn't I know that do for a fact. <laughs> yeah, no, Tim doesn't do small talk. I, I, so it's the same approach to music. There's no small talk. It's either good or it's over, and I don't care. You know what I mean? It's either popping, it's either I'm moving and I'm loving it, or for, ah, I lost interest. You know? So you're constantly trying to get his interest back when you're writing. So it's like, all right, you feel like you're like at the World Series, mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's like, you gotta like, you know, you gotta but, knock it out of the park. But if you're if you're building a song from scratch. Yeah. Which I imagine. He came up with the cadence, the flow for Maneater. He was like. I was about to say, did he mention Guns N' Roses at all? Like, was Welcome to the Jungle? (laughs) 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 And then I wrote the hook. And then he wrote the the cadence for that. And then I wrote the lyrics. Okay. And then we had an amazing vocal producer named Jim Beans in there. And he was just coming up with really cool, like, harmonies and things. Like, say it right. Half the reason it's cool is because there's all those little, from my body, I can show you. You know, like all those little like mm-hmm. call and responses. Right. That's what I think takes it to the next level. We were watching a Pink Floyd movie that day when we did Say It Right. I put an alien effect on my voice to inspire myself. And then right. just kind of like, you know, I just started singing that. And then, uh, yeah, him and I just kind of just like ping pong. You know, in in that type. But of... Nate Danger Hands was in that session, like Nate Hills, who's an incredible programmer and producer. Yes, he is. So, and that was early days when they had just started working together. This is before, right before they did Justin Timberlake's album. Okay. We had finished our album. So, okay, well, in that type of collaboration process, um, where it's it's you and him alone working and w- with Danger as well. Mm-hmm. Uh. And you're kind of building this Jenga game piece. 
Has there ever been a time where you build something and the idea doesn't work? Like, how do you distinguish? Or is it just everything you work on adjusted until, until it works? Until it works. Because usually, like in in a band scenario, like mm-hmm. if I'm if we're if me and the guys are playing a groove, and maybe it gets stale after forty five minutes, or I could clearly see that the client isn't feeling this, then I'll just throw it away, and then we'll start all over again. But mm-hmm. because of the intricacy of Timberland's production, you know, does every song have to be take no prisoners? Like, yeah, does it have to be finished to completion or do you have like five songs that we worked on that didn't make the record and you know is just sitting in the the him and i had a really cool experience with loose because every single song we made was on the album that's what i wanted to know everything made it there was nothing left over okay there were two things that didn't end up getting completed um, one was a song I started with Justin Timberlake and it was called crowd control, but that was late in the game cause I was almost done. Mm-hmm. And then there was like a song that some other weird song. I just remember it feeling like a Shakira song. I don't remember what it was, but it was like, it just had that feel, but I did, we never finished it. And it, and then we just, it just fell to the wayside, you know, but it was very, um, potent our time together in that particular wave and we just finished all the songs all in the same section of time now did you feel nervous in pre- it's like we couldn't make a bad song at that time or something it was weird i mean yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's easy to be in the zone and at the <laughs> yeah. time i, I oh, felt and like-, like kismet too you know because like chris martin from coldplay was in town mm-hmm. so we invited him i knew him Timbaland did not know him, but admired him and was on a big Coldplay wave at the time. I invited Chris in, and he wrote the hook, All Good Things Come to an End, which ended up being a huge hit around the world. Really? Uh-huh. Okay, okay. So things like that happened, too. Like, it was just a wave. It was just a, a moment. Were you at all worried about, not the label, but in terms of your original, everyone has their original, or in my, in my case, it's almost like the barbershop theory. You know, I don't know if you ever have the your barbershop thoughts. Like Tariq has barbershop thoughts. This verse, I gotta face <laughs> the dudes in the barbershop yeah. when I do Aww. this verse. Which is like yeah. his his sounding his soundboard. Yeah. His which could be an okay thing and sometimes can also be a handicap. Mm. And I see it more as a handicap than anything. What what why is mm. it a handicap for you? Well, I see it because it's a handicap because if your initial Say if her uh, crew of six has those thoughts about if that's echoing in her head, like, yo, don't make shit on the radio right. or keep it real or, what you know, whatever mm-hmm. music fans be like, you know, the side eye ready for you. Mm-hmm. Are you thinking, yo, what is my original crew back at home going to think when I drop this record with Timberland, which has the potential to sell gajillions, which... It did. I mean, but it's also a risk because it's such a 180 from how you started. Mm-hmm. Like, were you worried yeah. at all? I was really just kind of, with Loose, I just kind of, well, two things. I came up with the title Loose about two years before I got in a studio with Tim Lynn. I wanted to make a more broad project because I found that my early material 
didn't translate well to larger arena festival shows because of the sounds. So I really dreamed of playing arenas with a broader sounding album. So I wanted to also prove to myself that I can make a big shiny pop album like any other pop star. And I just set myself to that challenge because I'm real challenge motivated. Mm -hmm. So I just set that goal for myself. I was like, I want to make something huge. I admire that shit because... To see if I can do it, you know? I I admire it because I know that most people, especially that are hip-hop based, are so, again, so at least my generation was so keep it real and anti-pop that... Well, then I knew I could do it in a way that I still loved. Right, but I'm saying that I I think it's actually... I think think pop is, is noble, which I know it's weird to say. I'm not saying that, you know, I'm the world's biggest Taylor Swift fan, but... I kind of you're not. I respect yeah. her steez. Yeah, it's like kind of like a 50 million Elvis fans can't be wrong no, kind of thing. Not even that. Not even that. No, 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 no. Not even that. It's just that I feel like with pop music, it's yeah. hard to write a song that millions and millions and millions of people all feel is great at the same I think, time. I think it's harder to like. Okay, some of the producers that we've interviewed on the show have made some of their best work with limited materials. Right. Oh hell yeah! And I then, or materials. even with like mm-hmm. prints or whatever, like when you have limited materials, you're at your most creative. But when you're given the world, then suddenly like uh, results are iffy at best. I think it's harder to write simple pop songs. Like, I agree. I agree. If again, I always say like for Nalzi's water, like eleven minutes, I have the whole diagram out. Okay, so minute number seven, we're gonna go you know free jazz here, and then we're gonna pan to left and right and do all this crazy shit. Well, I could do shit like that in my sleep. I could never do, yeah, a three minute. No, pop. it's like, all right, it's like it, you could just throw colors up against right. a canvas and call the shit abstract, mm-hmm. but it's harder to draw a perfect circle. You know what I mean? But isn't a lot of pop on by accident? No, no, but there's a there's a beauty in the simplicity. it's all math. I think it's hard as shit. Okay. It's hard so to be disciplined. Math. It's hard to be disciplined. It's hard to bullseye. Something that can can translate to millions instantly. But My I will say, I will was, say, once you, oh, yeah. sorry, um, oh no, no, it's okay. Oh no, I was just saying, I do think <laughs> once you find out what that formula is, it's easy to replicate it though. Like if you, what, if it, but the hard thing is finding it. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? And caring about yeah. it because you know it, but you just don't feel like doing it sometimes. Right? Yeah. That I, is true. I, no, I think that's you know the it because every time you always give us a girl record on a Roots album, we talked about like you. That's one. But no, but that's the thing though. I I think the misperception, especially with the roots, is that, oh, you guys are artists. You don't want to sell. You don't want to get played. Yeah, you don't want to yeah, be on radio. That that is nobody, nobody signs a I don't know how to do it. But you knew water was not going to be a pop record. You understand what I'm saying? Like, no, I know I know how to do what I do well, right. which is the opposite. But until I became a DJ in the last five years and really understand what people respond to, now I know what the answer is. I still don't know if I know Say how to execute it. Say that before this new Roots album. Oh, okay. No, I don't know how to execute it, but I'm just saying that I I know what the answer is now. Back then I thought, hey, just put a girl on the hook and it'll be a hit. No, man, there's, nah, there's so much more than and that. And then so much of his image and I think and like lifestyle, because I mean, it's not really you selling the music, like you selling the lifestyle, you selling... You know, it's like some kind of code of personality shit. You know yeah. what I mean? So it's like, oh, it's way different now. Yeah, you gotta be a personality yeah. before you're even talented. So it's yeah, because like I could make a future record, but like I'm a dad of two. I mean, not the future's not a dad, <laughs> but 
Like, yeah, because he's a dad of six. Yeah, of six. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like, who's going to believe that shit? It's like, nah, motherfucker. Like, well, let me ask, because by that time, well, you had a daughter. Like, Yeah, I did. So does having kids change you? Yeah, a few things. Like, I feel like, okay, so my inspiration for Loose was definitely, like, I looked to albums like, like Madonna, Ray of Light. Mm-hmm. Oh, right? It was pop, but it had so much artistry and direction, and it had a sheen and a kind of mystery too to it i thought um and then janet jackson's album when she came out as janet when she had the photo the the photo with someone holding her boots from behind i was so inspired by that album as a i guess 14 15 year old my friends and i they called us the janets we all had very curly long hair Mm -hmm. (laughs) and i really wanted loose to be like my janet album i did and it was Without the orgasms. Yeah. (laughs) My my version, right? My vanilla version. (laughs) And um, yeah. And so with Promiscuous, I had trepidations. I was like, wow, I've never sang a song like this before. Um, But. Well, I'll say you sold it well. Mm Because when I saw SNL, (laughs) I was like, whoa. I I hardly knew ye. Mm. Yeah, you must have been like that. Because you would know me like. Real early days, you know? Yeah, and no, it's not even criticism. I was like, yeah. oh shit. No, no I'm yeah. with this. <laughs> but well, it's- it came from my heart because I always I did grow up in R and B and hip hop music. So for me it was very natural to sing that way. It was very natural to sing that type of music, you know, it was in my heart. So I just, you know what I really think it is? I think my musical vocabulary is large. So that's why I can't I don't fit into a box and every album's different because I just I don't like to speak the language in different ways, the music musical language, you know? When you grow up playing instruments, you play the black notes on a page. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no genre, you know? It should be a democratic thing, I think, music, you know? Do you feel freedom in that? Because, you know, a lot of artists don't really have that at the end. Of, like, some people would want to do other things, but I feel like with you, you can do so many things because you're not in a box. But do you, you feel that privilege in that way? I guess so, because I, I don't know how to do it any other way. Like, I don't know how to adhere to a genre. I don't know what that is. Like, I, don't, I don't know what that is. You know what I mean? Or if I did know, I would get bored after doing it once. <laughs> I get so bored. I get bored. That's pretty much, that's all it is. I'm just cu- very curious person. I'm just led by my curiosity. And if I can be interested in something, then I'll do it, you know? But if I have no interest, I just can't. I just can't do it. Well, the success of Loose was really unprecedented. Like, did you expect, especially coming off of folklore, was <laughs> yeah. it just like, uh, let me throw the spaghetti on the wall and see what happens? We had nothing to lose. Yeah, but then suddenly it's like, I mean, 12 million is nothing to scoff at. Yeah, it was crazy. So yeah. at, the, at the height of the madness of you surpassing even your debut record, I mean, what, what was what was it like suddenly? Like, especially... With you having to be an artist, having to be a mommy, yeah. having to be a songwriter, like wearing all these hats, <laughs> where does that, you know, what does 10 million feel like at the height of the madness? It was exhausting. I was so tired because I was traveling with my daughter around the world. Um, I well, For two already- years, right? Two years? Yeah, okay. like I toured, like I was making the record. When I made Loose, she had she was almost two. Mm-hmm. Who were you on tour with at the time? 
Or who were you talking about? Well, okay, so I made the record. Yeah. Then it was like, I guess she was three when I brought her on the road. Because by the time we went on the road, I was just like three. Three years, four years old. Anyway, so I was really tired. I was on the road. It was amazing because I got to play these arena shows I had dreamed of, right? Mm-hmm. It was like, ooh, these songs sound great in an arena. <laughs> this right. is cool. And then I fit in all the old songs too. And it was like really fun. Um, But yeah, it's a lot of pressure because this, okay, this is what I will tell you. And I sympathize when I see pop stars with these huge careers because I know what they're really thinking. And what they're really thinking is, wow, I had two number ones. Why was my third single not number one? I feel like a failure. I have an arena tour. Why isn't Hamburg sold out? I have a sold out arena tour. Why didn't we sell out? Hamburg and Munich. So you're one of the people that if 100 people love, if 99 people in the room love you, you only care about the one that's like indifferent. It's the nature of the business because all all business models are based on growth and expansion. I think that's human nature though. Yeah. So that's the problem with the music business is because you can never stay on top. So it's like you're on top and all you're worried about and every single person who's number one right now, all they're worried about is, is this album going to hit? Is this going to hit? Like, am I going to like there, that never goes away. Like I was at a sting concert in like somewhere strange, like Latvia. I ended up there cause I had a show and he saw me. Was he going to his car and he goes, Oh, thank God. I didn't know you were here. I would have been so nervous. And oh I'm thinking you're, you're sting. <laughs> it's never good enough for these uh, us sensitive artists. If You're still that nerd who like nobody likes me. You do. It's so crazy. It's so weird. Or you're worried that you don't have credibility. Or you're worried you that out. the peanut gallery doesn't like you anymore because you're so like, you know what I'm saying? Like you're all, there's always somebody to prove something to. It's That's never perfect. This radio there is no yellow brick road. For these people to keep me in line. Yeah. Yes. No, yes. but <laughs> that's why. But no, no, no. That that happens a lot. Like you'll you'll find out that you do your best shows ever. In obscure towns that, you know, industry people aren't watching you. Totally. Like, have you ever had a really, really good L.A. show or Um, a really good New York show or Toronto? A handful. A handful. You know. British Columbia. (laughs) With us, it always fails. No, I can remember maybe one, you know. Yeah, Yeah. it's it's always a fail. But yet, you know, Mm -hmm. Montana. Lit. Best show ever. (laughs) (laughs) Because, yeah, I mean, there's no pressure of 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 people you know watching the, you. You know the people mm-hmm. there are actually want to be there and they're not right. just trying to be seen. Wait, so That's I- the other thing when you have radio singles. You think people are just there to be cool and they're just there because your thing is the cool thing to do that night. It's very different than when you have an album that's less successful and you know everybody who's there, they actually want to be there. Not because the radio had Gave a commercial. Yeah, yeah. Your friend invited you. You like my outfit in the video. You know what I'm that saying? Is this is real stuff. It's real stuff you think about. So, okay. So how do you I know, handle... I you think I'm crazy, right? I don't think Are you're you like, cra- what is she talking about? No, I'm about? thinking because I am I was on the other side of radio She's for the last 15 memeing. years. Yeah. So I'm just really thinking about it in an artist's way. I never thought about that. Like, It's I, true. No, yeah. everything you're saying makes perfect it sense. Does. Okay, cool. Okay. I think you're crazy. <laughs> you do? Steve, have you had your medicine yet? Too? I was trying to Come to my songwriting workshop. No, <laughs> <laughs> that would be good. Steve, you would fit right in at the songwriting workshop. <laughs> I want to see one of these Montana Roots shows at some point. So do I. Fuck Those you, sound. Steve. <laughs> Whatever. Helena. Anyway, no, so oh my gosh. with with uh 
But that's so when self-defeating. It's a horrible attitude to be like, they're only here because because they're they're following a wave. You but know? that's, like, that's, but that's so not mean. true. That's I don't so think that mean. happens, though. You don't come out the house just because your outfit was cute in the, in the video. You come out nah, the house because at least I like one to two songs. Like, nah, that totally happens. It, it does. It does. <laughs> it totally And the thing happens. is, it's okay. It's kind of an obscure way to look at it, but if your breakout, it, If your true breakout <laughs> arena album is your third record, and you know you had some heat on the first, like how do you, if you have a lot of broth, and very little chicken. Yeah, meat. <laughs> <laughs> Do you, did you ever have moments where you're like, "That's amazing." Okay, well, <laughs> a lot yeah, of a lot of strange. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we yes. food right analogies here, on the right show here. Right. Broth <laughs> sounds so good on the radio. Broth. Yeah, but I'm just saying that if you're there because you know a particular fan is really there for permit, like, oh, they're going to come in line when I start. Promiscuous yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Then it's like, how do you pace your show? Then like, okay, well, you want to get the diehards and the new. Oh, it's fans. hard. You know what I used to do on the Looster? I'd play "Parties Just Begun." This track from my first album It's mm-hmm. like "Parties Just Begun," and I do this whole like, you know, yeah, like this like, dodgy did. I do this whole like vocal percussion thing, and that kind of got my jollies off in that song. Like I was like, okay, I'm being artistic in this song, and any of my old fans might know this one. And I enjoyed all the, I love playing that role. I love putting on a fancy ball gown and singing Showtime. Like, it was fun. But, like, it was, like, it was fun times. I enjoy it all. It's fun learning a new skill. It's fun learning how to act on stage and do choreography. And that was cool. I liked it. All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, Well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. In the 1980s, Frank Farian was riding high as a successful German music producer, but he was bored. German pop was formulaic, dull, and oh so white. Frank had bigger dreams, American dreams. He wanted to create the kind of music that would rival larger-than-life artists like Michael Jackson or Run DMC. So he assembled a hip-hop duo, two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? One very important element was missing, but Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's biggest controversies. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when their adoring fans learned about the infamous lip syncing, their downfall was swift and brutal. With exclusive interviews from frontman Fab Morvan and his producers Frank Farian and Ingrid Segui, this podcast takes a fresh look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Follow Blame It on the Fame wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free by joining Wondery+. Plus. When the Taliban banned music in Afghanistan, millions were plunged into silence. Radios were smashed. Cassettes burned. You could be beaten or jailed or killed for breaking the rules. And yet, Afghans did it anyway. 
This is the story of how a group of people brought music back to Afghanistan by creating their own version of American Idol. The danger they endured. They said, my head should be cut off. The joy they brought to the nation. You're free completely. No one is there to destroy you. I'm John Legend. Listen to Afghan Star on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Wait a minute. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Okay. I'm sorry. I just had a moment. I just had a moment that I totally forgot about. Okay. Ah, oh, damn. I feel like I'm about to have a lie you moment. Okay, I'm ready. Okay. <laughs> Uh-oh. And I'm also going to mirror it up because I got to be sort of uh, ambiguous with the question. Okay. Uh-oh. I love these. Because I don't want to be... He's still disclaiming. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, there's a lot of... <laughs> yeah, there's going to be just, more preface than it is Yeah, ask question. the question. Which we understand. This is a safe think space. Usher, think usher, minute think show, usher. <laughs> okay, did you really hit TLC? No, I'm playing. I'm playing. I'm playing. That was an Usher question. Oh, okay. oh, 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 oh anyway. Oh, wow. <laughs> Whoa. Okay. Um, I have a question about give it to me. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Now, <laughs> we know who Timberland was busting shots at. The purple guy. For those. No, that was that was Justin. That was oh well, Justin, yeah. Oh, and Tim oh Timberland in particular, yeah. That was, with, that was a Scorch. Scott right. Scorch. Scott Storch. And we know that Justin was, but okay, you <laughs> just laying all the tea yeah, out. Yeah, I mean, because we, because people listen, they <laughs> yeah, don't know, know all the. Yeah, so give it to me was Justin. I, know, was I just don't want to establish this show as a common denominator. All right, but we no, it happened. Know. It happened everybody in the knows. Past. Like, everybody knows the, it anyway. The so. listener context. So Justin was talking shit about Prince. Timberland was distant Scott Storch. Okay, I got a can disclaimer. I ask, disclaimer. Can I ask you? Can oh, wait, I ask you a question? Can I ask you a question? Yes. And we don't have to mention the name. That's okay. Fonte. I'll do a disclaimer. No, my disclaimer is that, let me just say, it was like at the end of the the movie, it's like the the thoughts and and feelings of the artist do not reflect (laughs) the other artist. Because like I, nobody, we we recorded the verses separately. I was there to help write the hook. Right. And I wrote my verse, but I was not present when Justin recorded his verse and I was not present when Timbaland recorded his verse. But wait, that's not my question. that's not your question. (laughs) (laughs) My question is, just yes or no. Yeah. Were you uh, bucking a shot at someone in <laughs> yeah, your verse? I was. Yeah. Can you okay, play okay. it? Yeah. No, no. I don't, I'm not even going to go Can there. Can you just remind I'm us? Also, I, here's the I thing, though. I was egged on, though. I was egged on in the studio. And I won't name names. It wasn't necessarily Timbaland. Secondly, um, yeah, We're, yeah, I was. Here's the thing. No, and secondly, I told her. <laughs> I, 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 I told her. I don't know. Here's the backstory. Because we've made up. We've made up since. Thank you. That's what I wanted to yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, no, no. Because here's made the up. thing. But I was honest with her about it when she asked I was me about hired. It. Yeah. I was hired by that person to do their birthday party. Oh. Oh. And I didn't know nothing about <gasps> this shit. Who played the record? Who is it? Oh, no. Dude, not only did I play the record. I don't know who it is. Who is it? Twice. No. Like, <laughs> He's giving us context clues. Oh my gosh. Dog, this All is I, like how how many years ago was it? Like, dog. No, who, no statute of limitations. I'm establishing a precedence of the show. That we don't that I'm not I'm not 
throwing people under the bus. No, we're not throwing people under the bus. We're discussing, we we're discussing history. I will tell you off air. I will tell you off air. Oh, I love what we do off air. I'm sorry. This is where I got Questlove Supreme the moment. I got to set the precedent. Anyway, I was hired by this particular person to do their birthday party. Okay. Not knowing the history of the song. Out. And this is just when the shit came out. So this was like, this is hot. This is usually in my first five records, two of those records are going to be the song of the moment. And I played this shit, and goddamn, the whole party just looked at me <laughs> and ran up to me like, are you crazy? And I was like, huh? And then finally, the person came to me, and someone explained. Oh, I got it. Someone explained to me, and then I was, I just... Silently took the record off and put Billy Jean on. We made up. We made up at Princess Diana's memorial show at Wembley Arena in London, England. I'm glad for that. And my it was a beautiful moment. I'm glad. right now. Yo, because I'm thinking about the. I don't recommend making a diss song ever. It's bad karma. Bad karma came back. Yeah, it's bad karma. Prodigy. Bad karma. Wait, what do you mean it came back? Well, it was a number one song. So at first you're like, you know, right? (laughs) And it was fine. You know, like the hook. You know, that's just like the little things we said in our verses. But like, we didn't need to do that. We could have probably done it without it being like that. Like that was just a subplot. Like you didn't even know about it when you played it at the show. I didn't know shit, and I regret playing it. I don't think think I've touched it since. Negativity is the idea of you fading out real slowly is is never good thing. (laughs) Um, But um, you know, it was a good experience. It was a good experience, and I and I was, I was, I guess, as honorable as one could be doing that type of thing. Like she asked me about it to my face at an event. And I actually said, yes, it is. And this is why. And I You're so polite, though. I want to know what Cash a polite conversation <laughs> This is why outside. I dished you. <laughs> no, that's I was about real. to say, that's awfully considerate of you. And, and I... she didn't agree. And she didn't agree with what I said. Um, what were the lyrics, if you don't? No. Ah. Yeah. He won't play the so, song. But so. it was fine. We kind of worked it out like ladies, yes. you know? Uh, like we should listen. It, 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 it had a happy we ending, can, so I think we can talk. Yeah. I think we can talk. It had a happy but ending, think, and it's not I still ongoing. I think I was in the wrong. Like, Wait, I think, time out. Have you ever, really have you ever publicly yeah. talked about this? Um, I'm not like really detailed. No, actually. Oh, my God. You're yeah, that so. Trick. It's quite woman. It's woman, right? Oh, my God. It's quite the ladies make. I'm <laughs> not going to be punked on my own Wait, show. I'm not muscling. We're not muscling. We're talking about history. If I bring up the Holocaust, it ain't muscling. It's only muscling. Are we about to have a fight over this? No, no. Wait, can I just I say that up, the womanly thing that was interesting is that you admitted that it was your fault. Um, so, well, I think so. There was no real reason for me to just go on the record and, and do that. No, 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 no. Uh, it's like it, it would only be muscling de- if she I was, was continuing my creativity. Exactly. Really, is all it was. But it was like I was defending my creativity, or that's how I saw it. And I, I might have been wrong about the things I I was kind of thought the things that motivated it. Um, and she kind of also like explained that and and it was still kind of heated at that moment but we made up which was so beautiful chapter closed yeah we made up let's move on but at let's least talk about yeah, the listeners know if we can talk to the listeners can google if we can talk to prodigy about the yeah. the jay-z beef how and, about and that? all of it yeah because Ooh. the world knows there was a prodigy jay-z well i'm gonna tell you i googled nelly for title beef and her name was the it came up immediately well then let our listeners do that 
Well, I, I just nev- don't want to set a I never precedence. went down beef lane again, you know? <laughs> <laughs> that was a soul beef. I, I learned my lesson. You've been down beef lane. I, no. <laughs> I just want to talk about the Holocaust some more. <laughs> <laughs> the Holocaust on Questlove oh, Supreme. Yo, why did so, we wind up? It was, was a once you a met? unnamed dictator <laughs> who, who will remain nameless. <laughs> Who uh, had a little mustache? Yeah, we don't want to say his name because you know we don't want to ruffle any feathers or bring up you know. Ladies, go, but Google it. But Google it. But Google it. Did we really just compare that? I'm taking my show back. Damn it, dude. Nelly, did this originate from you watching some old Wild Orchid videos? Wow. No. Okay. I like it. I liked Wild Orchid. Okay, can we stop? So with, pretty. Oh my God, I really regret asking this question. All right, move on, move on. Please. Hitler dissed us. <laughs> <laughs> this is so funny. Can we go to me plan, please? Yes. <laughs> I feel good. like you're the most proudest of this record. I love that record. What, I, what I, brought it on? Well, because it's hard to like sing like properly in another language. I mean, when I was little, I learned Portuguese first. Um, Spanish came easily by like grade nine. I guess I was 14 when I started to learn Spanish. When I came out with Wonelli, this amazing artist from Colombia named Juanes invited me to sing on this song that became an international hit called Fotografia. Mm-hmm. So it was a big song. Big duet. And uh, after that, I just kind of got embraced by like the Latin community. And so I decided to do a full album in Spanish. But I did it, did it. It wasn't translations. It was like I had had the opportunity to do like a translations album of Loose, but I, I wasn't feeling it. So I waited till I could do it right. I hooked up with a great co-writer named Alex Cuba, who's based in Toronto. Mm-hmm. And we started a Spanish album in the snow in Toronto. And <laughs> it ended up way bigger than I ever thought because... um all these artists really just joined on to the, you know, onto the project and it featured seven or eight really great collaborations. And I, I found to say the, you work with my favorite, uh, Salam. Salam. I love Salam. Yeah, Salam Remy worked Do you guys ever get together here? Uh, together? He's currently working on the never ending roots album that, you know, I didn't know that he's on the project with you. That's so he's, cool. We're, yeah, we, I love we've that done guy. About six I love songs him together. so much. See, even like he embraced the opportunity to do Spanish records, you know. So we worked on that. Why not Portuguese? Just curious because that's your first. I know. See, there's me again doing idiosyncratic. Right, weirdness. and I'm like you. Everybody asks me that. They're like, why, why not Portuguese? And I'm just like, I don't know. I started. I like Latin pop. Broader did, market too, you know. And if I did Portuguese, it'd probably be more. Um, um, boutique like Fado music or something. Right, because they don't get nominated for Latin Grammys. And, is that in, They do, the, actually, okay. to right. make matters more confusing. So, like, Laura Pausini's Italian. She's won a Latin Grammy. Catana Veloso's Brazilian. He's won a Latin Grammy. It's kind of broad, the whole genre, but, like, um, Portuguese is Hispanic on the U.S. census form. Very confusing. Mm-hmm. Very confusing. Very confusing. And so <laughs> I decided to sing a Latin pop album, kind of like a, very inspired by like rock and Espanol, stuff like that. You know, Julieta Venegas, she co-wrote a couple tracks. She's a Mexican artist. I had a rapper named Mala, La Mala Rodriguez. She's from Spain. I had like a proper Mexican ranchero singer, Alejandro Fernandez. She covering all Concha bases. Buica, Flamenco. <laughs> right. You covering all bases. All the Latino. I really went there with it. I had fun with it and I collaborated a lot. And honestly, the Latin world, the Latin world of music is far larger than I ever imagined. Mm-hmm. And... It was welcoming. I felt a sense of community that I really, 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 really. I was about to say, did you go to the Latin Grammys and like, how did you feel in that community? Amazing. Really? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I felt. um, 
I don't know. It was, I, I all felt humbled by it too, right? Because yeah, here I am, this English singer, and then I decide to make a Spanish album and it gets embraced. So it was like, wow, I feel very lucky, but I also feel indebted to the artists I've collaborated with, like Juanes, right? It takes people to kind of bring you in, right? Like with any genre, right? Yeah. yeah, you need somebody to vouch for you. Yeah, all, you need all the you need all the cosines. Fonte's yes, our for voucher. Sure. Yes, indeed. Fonte, will, he's like right not not right now, motherfucker. <laughs> no, no, look, man, you like, I'll ride you like for my the new squad, album. man. Thank you. I ride for the squad in good times and bad times. <laughs> Josh Groban's on my Spanish album So he was like I want to sing in Spanish And and I was like great I sent him the song And um, well no I invited him And he said oh that would be a good opportunity And he sang So then it was both of us Like singing a Spanish song together But Yo, forgive me for asking this question Because I'm about to go listen to that album But I haven't Are there Yeah is there Are there any like Samba as bossa nova type influence. I don't really go in the samba. No one direction. can see your side eye as you oh, ask sorry, that question. Asking, oh, it's not a side eye. It's my side hand. I mean, I you're, you're, you're single girl. lady slow motion hands. Yeah. 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 Um, <clears throat> not really. The closest thing, there's a flamenco song. Okay. There's like a real, like, like ah, Salam did that track. That's my favorite. I think that's a, probably the best like track. It's called um, Fuerte, Strong. And Concha Buica is this amazing. A flamenco singer with this really throaty, powerful voice. She's uh, she's amazing. Wait, Salam also worked on uh, the next joint too, uh, Spirit Indestructible. Salam and I did a song called um, Something, which um, features Nas. Yeah. And uh, another track that Salam did on Spirit was, oh, he did more than one that ended up on the record. We He did some B-sides too. Um and you were why we did you wrote a lot together i gotta ask rodney jerkins yeah dark child, dark child. <laughs> dark child let me tell dark you child. what was dark child working amazing with? i'll tell you what he does you want to know and how many michael jackson stories did you get to hear <laughs> you want to know yes this is what he's like when you write with him so he'll sit behind the keyboard and he looks at you when he's writing so he'll be like <laughs> like it'll be really you're intense. facing him he's like a doctor like yeah he's staring right therapist. in your eyes and he's like he's moving and he's looking in your eyes while he's writing and um i loved working with rodney actually rodney's a very good vocal arranger as we he all is. know he yeah. produced uh say my name he produced the boy is mine like hello and it wasn't until i was in his studio i walked around and i had this crazy moment where i realized he had produced all my favorite 90s r&b records mm-hmm. and that's why we did the song big hoops and we reference all my favorite 90s artists on that song because i don't know i guess i was in that that energy it was the last record i made with interscope mm-hmm. and i actually i don't know there was a bit of pressure to make something big and bouncy again because it was my next english project after loose um but i was just having fun like rodney and i had a genuine connection we had a genuine connection and and vibe together. Um, I, I did enjoy making that album as well. Which which leads us to uh, the ride. Now the thing is, when I saw the cover, uh, when I saw the cover <laughs> to the ride, I was like, "Why did you drop your logo? Who who designed your logo?" Actually, I, I'm a font. Name. I'm a font nerd, by the way. So I know. Do you know it's like a sacred geometry logo? And my friend from it's called Create. It's like a media company out in Toronto, and they did. Um, yeah, they did a new logo for me, and it's basically based on all this like mathematical equations of like space and, um, 
angles and stuff like that. And I just really liked. I know I get so bored. But was I just it symbolic to to, it to drop your your classic psychedelic logo? I think so. I just got so sick of seeing that big old thing on every cover. Like I was like, not a yeah, but it's like. I mean, it's rare. I just look like I had all the same album cover every time. Like I was just like, oh, it's, a, it's see, well, it's this, this, though. this. Yeah. I know, but I'm independent now, so I don't care. And I'm just like, whatever, <laughs> do that. I, I know. It's just I'm, I'm I'm horrible at marketing. It's just so rare. As as a lover of record collecting, it's so rare to find product with good consistent logo with oh, history. Shoot. Like Earth, Wind, and Fire has guilty. their consistent logo. Chicago. Chicago has theirs. Uh, uh, well, Wu-Tang has more of a logo than, like, fonts associated. I mean, you know, I mean, the roots have kept our, our, our boring uh, Blue Note Helvetica, kind of Helvetica. <laughs> American <laughs> typewriter. Yeah, but wouldn't you, when, oh, yeah, <laughs> when like you be thrown like off it. if you saw a Roots yeah. album in any font other than what you're used to seeing? Yeah. I didn't even realize that you said yeah, that, but I guess so. Because you don't like the maybe. roots, Nelly. The oh, logo. Nelly. <laughs> I, like, right, I, I love them. But Nelly's album looks like, it, it reminds me of like those 80s albums. Everybody goes to that stage of like the secret life of plants when you put the picture inside the block of color. And, and my, I lost everybody. Block? Yeah. Yeah, 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 you were oh. reaching. I thank wasn't you for reaching, that. I appreciate that you, comment. Thank you. I, <laughs> you Charles reaching. did. Everybody did a, blo- did a picture no, in a I'll lot of color. Anything. We're um, going to edit that one out. Are you serious? <laughs> 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 this is edited out. <laughs> 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 edit. Was that really a reach? Um, yeah. But I let's, don't know. I work with my friend on it. I honestly... Just wanted to capture the energy on a space of mine that I was in when I recorded it. And I, and I did that photo shoot for internet stuff and I ended up using it for the album cover because it was like snapshot of kind of the week I finished the album in Dallas, Texas. And it, the artwork features local Dallas artists and visual artists. The artwork on the front's by Samantha McCurdy. You can't see the whole thing, but you buy the vinyl. I should have brought you a vinyl. Yeah, you should Why the hell did I not bring this vinyl to you? It's so cool. But you open it up and it's just, it has a sense of community. Just, I met a lot of cool people in Dallas and I, I ended up working on all these projects with them. The video directors from Dallas. There's a good um, musical community down there. Did you shop? Bobby did you Sparks go t- Jr. You ever met him? I've not met him. Really talented uh, keyboardist. Okay. Moo, clavinet. He plays it all on my album. There's a really cool, I don't know if you go to record stores a lot, but. I used to work at my friend's store in Toronto. Okay. A couple yeah, years ago. That, like, one of the, after the, selling the, millions of records, she did. I yeah. did yeah. for fun. Yeah. The key, the key to, uh, uh, I forget this, the leader Final of Poly- IV. <laughs> the, 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 the leader of uh, Polyrhythmic Spree. Owns polyphonic spree. Poly, 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 polyrhythmic polyphonic oh. spree. Owns like one of the coolest record stores, uh, mom and pop spots in Dallas right now. Uh, it's escaping me. Is it No Cliff? Uh, That's a I real don't, funky I, neighborhood. Don't give me the quote, but it's it's a really John Congleton produced all the records. Polyphonic spree. Yeah, the guy who did my record. Yeah, mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. In in that area of, of Dallas. Yeah, like, it's a vibe. It's like you know what it is. It's like that whole like, uh, like artists and then like the patrons of the arts, you know. And then there's this great <laughs> divide, and I think it creates this wildness to like the left side. You know what I mean? Like it just creates this more. You have to kind of, you got to be even weirder in Dallas to be weird. You know what I mean? Like so you gotta, you how, gotta really. <laughs> how do yeah. you, how do you feel to be? How it's, does it feel to be on your own and truly independent though, without 
mm-hmm. without mm-hmm. label of label. Well, I really followed my heart. I really wanted to work with John Congleton and Annie from St. Vincent introduced me to him. Mm-hmm. We clicked and I just, in my heart, thought I want to know what it's like to work with like an alternative producer. Like I want to see what that's like. I want to see if I could do it. And um, when I met him, we started working and Interscope, I was still with them, but I, I always kind of go off and do my own thing. I don't really tell them what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. But eventually I did and it felt like they were kind of like, yeah, well, maybe we could do this or that or this. And I was like, no, I really want to finish this album with John Congleton. So I was able to get my album back from them. Wow. Mm-hmm. I own this you album. I own the masters. Wait, wait. <laughs> wait a minute. Do that greatest greatest time out. Wait a minute. You had a conversation with them. No, my manager helped me. Like I have my Well, not you yeah. literally, but I'm just saying that they were willing to amicably part with you. Um, yeah. Yeah, they gave me my my master they gave me the like I got to keep the masters and of this new record and um it was a blessing because I was able to make this beautifully produced album essentially independently, you know, which is you're not usually able to do that, you know, because John's a really in-demand producer. So um, it took we took our time with it because we were both really busy. But yeah, man, you know, sometimes it's just time to move on. You look really confused Wait, right now. Wait, time out. What a way to move on. And I that, need this. Yeah, you- <laughs> <laughs> That's the sound of my brain right now, which – the only I think it re- has to do more with relationships. Like, there's these, there's a lot of old relationships in the music business, like the people you don't see on TV. I guess if you, I guess if you ask, <laughs> you know you'll receive. I mean? And it's like you know, like between business relationships, like sometimes like there's certain people who know how to get stuff done quickly. I'm just lucky enough to be working with some of them at the time. The only reason why I'm mind blown is because now that I think of it, I think I did the same thing. Good. It happens. Sometimes. I asked, Oh yeah. Uh, with Jay for the. Tiffany yeah, or was well, it? no, uh, Jay, I asked Jay, like, yo, take us with you to Def Jam. And he's like, oh, that's, you know, I don't want to get involved in Jimmy's business. Yeah. And I simply just asked him. But my my selling point was, I was like, dude, you have 17 mega platinum artists on Interscope. Mm-hmm. You're not going to miss us. Yeah. I said, all we're doing is wasting your money. We're, you won't miss us. <laughs> and he sat and thought about it. He's like, okay, thanks. Mm-hmm. And that was it. And I, I got my well, freedom papers. You were respectful. You know what I mean. And I think even when I presented what I was working on with John, I was I'm respectful. Did you get but your I'm just saying, too? if you sell, if you, I wrote a handwritten note. You know what I mean. If you sell twelve million <laughs> units, I'd be. Um, yeah. I kind of want to yeah, make sure you're good to the last to- drop. Like. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Okay, okay. That's yeah. Like yeah, it's there's like, always risk involved, I guess. But like, they still get the. They you're still at least get all Jordan forty five. You you got some Jordan forty five time left in you. So it's like that to me. That to me is an amazing. Like I can't believe that happened. Yeah, it's like a kind of like a little mini miracle, I guess. I w- I felt very grateful. But then when I signed those documents, I said, "Wow, I signed this record contract in 1998. 1998's a long time ago." Because I take too much time in between albums. So for me, signing a six-album deal, like, at that age, I never knew. You don't think, right? When you sign your first record contract, you're like, yeah, I get to make an album. Right. You read it. I was always smart about reading my paperwork. But at the same time, you're not really processing, like, how much time. You don't know that it's going to take that long to record six records, you know? So what do you, so, what do you hope to get out of? I don't know. You visualize and it happens. Something I wanted. 
I mean, you've you've taken. I mean, you kind of taken the dream as far as an evolution is concerned. You made all types of records, done all types of collaborations and musical experiments. Like what? What? I never believe in happy. I believe in satisfied. So what? Yeah. When? At what point are you satisfied? Like, can, yeah, if you were to stop point. now, you're, are you like, okay, you have a beautiful daughter. You pretty much lived the dream. Like, yeah. what is, what is the satisfaction destination for you? Um, for me, um, okay, if I had to stop today and was like, okay, I'm going to quit now. I'm never going to make music again. Um, I might regret like never doing like a Portuguese language album actually. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I didn't mean to put that on you. <laughs> oh, no, but it's true. No, it's not you. Um, yeah, so so that that could be cool at some point, but again, I won't know until I cross that bridge. But yeah, generally speaking, I just wanted this time this time out's been really cool. Like a week after I got out of my record contract, like like I think a month later, I was rehearsing with Dev Hines because we were going to sing together at his charity show he did did you go to that at the harlem apollo it was really cool it was for it was a fundraiser um and so i said to him hey dev you know i'm not with my label anymore so we could put out our new song on cassette like and sell it at the merch table for charity Mm -hmm. so that's the type of stuff you can never do if you're on a major label um who is who has a cassette player though now i do uh yeah it's back yeah, okay. cassettes are back. I didn't know he that. Does, yeah. You can go to Urban Outfitters right now and get a boombox. Oh, okay. There yeah. we go, Urban Outfitters. And also, I did an installation at Art Basel this year with my friend who's a photographer. So normally, like, you can't just do that stuff when you're signed to a contract. Um, sound art installation, songwriting. Ins- you know what I'm saying? It's just a different flow in your brain. And it's really nice. I've been experimenting with that. So I want to see where that takes me, you know? I don't really know. I just want us to keep asking questions, you know? I took a playwriting class last year at university. That was fun. So maybe writing arrangements or something for like a different type of like paradigm, maybe theatrical. I'm not sure. See, I, I get the feeling that it, you know, the the ongoing, the ongoing evolution will, you know, she'll probably be prime minister. Well, I was going to ask you, Toronto, huh? like musically, Toronto Thanks. has been put on the map since you first stepped on the it scene. Really How do you? Been. I was you know, about to say, I yeah. feel like a forty Drake collaborations coming up. Yeah, Melanie Fiona. Forty is like so nice. I Even Cardinal Fishiao was post Nelly. Melanie yeah. Fiona. Yeah, you know, I feel cool um, because I I watched the scene grow, and I stayed in that city. I've stayed in Toronto my whole life and career. Well, from age eighteen out, but like. I've watched it grow. Urban scenes finally on the international map. I mean, we were just doing our thing for thanks a long to, time. Thanks to Fonte. But I mean, I need to know: Did Maestro, <laughs> Maestro Fresh West, let your backbone slide? Was that a hit over here? No, Maestro Fresh wasn't let a hit. Let your backbone well, we know, but, slide. Yeah, I know about Maestro. Yeah. Okay, because yeah. I wouldn't know because we play thirty percent CanCon in Canada growing up. So thirty percent of everything you see and listen to is Canadian. It's yeah. a CanCon. Rule. Did you say CanCon? It's called CanCon. Yeah, it's a government rule. Yeah. So and I guess for me, this, this before funded, Clear so. Channel took yeah. us over in '97. Yeah. So, so basically speaking, yeah, it's so nice to meet these new artists that are coming out, and they they have an appreciation for what happened in the past, but then they're moving things forward. So, like, my favorite from Toronto is his name's River Tiber, and yeah. he's featured on the Cajun Hada record. The, yep. Yeah, man, and he's he based in Toronto. West. New new artist, you got to look out for Mustafa Ahmed. Ooh. I've oh. known him since he was 15. He sings. He's a spoken word poet. Really got to look out for him. He's making his um, 
He's managed by Doc, actually, and he's he's making his for oh, his Doc. debut right now. Okay. Thanks, Natalie. I was literally going to ask you to put us on to some mm-hmm. new Canadian acts. Also, I really like Charlotte Day Wilson's EP. Have you heard it? Yeah. Yeah. I haven't heard, I've Same heard her. Same manager as River Tiber. She's on, uh, she's on Bad, Bad, Not Good's new album I as love well. Bad, Bad, Not yeah. Good. She's dope. They're really Fontaine's good. are... are Encyclopedia. Our, our, but it's a yeah. voucher. Current it's a voucher and an encyclopedia. I feel irrelevant. Voucher. When his IQ is way, way above that. us. I you know, love Fonte, all the new you know, stuff coming out. Fonte's Drake's spirit animal. Really? Yeah. Drake is going on record to say that this man. <laughs> I wish everybody could see no. the look on Fonte's face. Has right he right? really? Animal. Yeah, yeah, yes. he, yeah. He he said that in um yeah on on uh he he dedicated his um <laughs> he dedicated his he won a BMI award I think. And he okay. dedicated it to me. Really? He dedicated it to That's me. That's cool. He dedicated it to me, Andre, I love it. and uh, Kanye. Wow. And, um, and then they deal. asked me what I thought about it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I was like, I think it's great, but I wish he would have dedicated time to do a verse for my album. How about <laughs> it? How about Ooh. it? And we haven't spoke since then. But I mean, but, you know, love the brother. It's all good. You know? Can I get that yeah. gun sound effect real quick? It is what it is. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I have a soft shots fired. Uh, oh, I have Nintendo. Soft <laughs> yeah, yeah that's my but shots no, but no, fired. We've done, we like we worked early, it. early on in his career. And uh, I mean, he's always. I didn't like, know you did. I didn't know. So, yeah. Yeah. So, I didn't find out till later that he was on the loose tour because he sang backgrounds for Socrates on a couple what? shows. What? Yes. Wow. A Canadian Socrates. tour. Yeah. He sang backgrounds. Yeah, yeah, for Socrates. He got to start somewhere. He did Basketball double. started on the bottom. He did doubles. <laughs> nah, he's here. No, he did doubles for Socrates. Wow. Yeah. On like, I think three or four shows on our Canadian tour of Loose. Yeah. But I didn't know at the time. Like, I just found this out recently. Wow. Well, yeah. But everybody know. loves Drake. Everybody's so proud of him. Right? Right, y'all? She said? She said everybody loves yeah. Drake. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, I'm Canadian. I'm Canadian. Like it was, I, no, no, no. I it saw was time for the CN Tower to be on the cover of an album. It's a beautiful building. <laughs> well, Nelly, thank you very much for uh, joining us today at the uh, QLS Peanut Gallery. Give it up for Nelly. Yeah, Peanut Gallery. Everybody needs the Peanut Gallery. That new though. album. Yes. Too grounded. Please get the new album, Ride. The ride. The ride. I'm sorry. You got to enjoy it or get off of it. <gasps> yes. Damn. Enjoy Damn. the ride or get off the ride. Yes, you're right, actually. You, you've been thinking that all day, haven't you? You just... You got to enjoy or get off of it. Anyway, Aww. we're getting off the ride. <laughs> <laughs> On behalf of Fontigolo and Sugar Steve and Boss Bill and Unpaid Bill and Laia, a.k.a. Margaret, a.k.a. Get Off It Ride. Wow. This is Quest Love, Quest Love Supreme. Thank you very much, Nelly. I appreciate it. Quest Love Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. This classic episode was produced by the team at Pandora. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This is the story of how a group of people brought music back to Afghanistan by creating their own version of American Idol. The joy they brought to the nation. You're free completely. No one is there to destroy you. The danger they endured. They said my head should be cut off. I'm John Legend. Listen to Afghan Star on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. Podcast. 
have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Everyone in our country has a voice. It's something that says not just where you come from, but who you are. Welcome to NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of podcasts and a celebration of the hosts in journalism who've always spoken truth to power. Our voices are as varied, nuanced, and dynamic as the Black experience, and stories should never be about us without us. Find NPR Black Stories, Black Truths on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.